This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Hello and welcome to episode 144 of... What a this episode i'll be talking to michelle brown who is a mediator and if you don't know what a mediator is you will find out very quickly if you listen to the interview in the meantime i'm still reading the book by viv albertin who is in the band called the slits uh music uh, music 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 boys 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 close 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 not in that order that's the title of the book um the chapter of most recently read is about sid vicious and you know he doesn't come across as a nice fella and Maybe he is a nice fellow, but he does seem like he's trying to live up to his name, Sid Vicious. And, uh, yeah, tended to uh, be going around threatening people with broken milk bottles and generally causing havoc. Indeed, there's a, there's a little bit of a story where she shares a bed with Sid Vicious and, and he just wets the bed. I mean, come on. Um, but there's a great story, not in this book, but in general, you know, music gossip that uh, Sid Vicious when he eventually joined the Sex Pistols they were rehearsing in the same rehearsal studios as Queen and uh, Sid wandered into Queen's rehearsal room mistakenly uh, a little bit the worse for wear and Freddie Mercury was sitting there and he said oh you're that fellow Stanley Ferocious are you and he grabbed him by the collar and ejected him if it's true, I don't know, but it's just so hilarious that there's, it sounds like something out of a comic where a guy called Sid Vicious meets Freddie Mercury and they um, have a little battle. But uh, the names are funny. And I, I, one of the episodes of Potter Rooney, episode way back, way back when I started Potter Rooney, uh, when it was episode 16, I think, I interviewed Sean Bradley, who was in a band called The Nips, or the, originally The Nipple Erectors with Shane McGowan. And, the, and it was Shane McGowan's girlfriend. Um, and she remembers going to see the Sex Pistols when there were like very few people going to see them at the art college. Uh, maybe 15 people in the audience. And meeting Johnny Rotten. And Johnny Rotten says, you know, my name's Johnny Rotten. And she laughed. Because it was such a ridiculous name. And 
yeah, it, they were funny names. So, you know, there was a bit of humour, perhaps, in, in punk that we don't quite get. But anyway, Shan Bradley is a great interview. It's uh, number tw- number 16 on Potter Rooney. And there is a song, a, a lovely Pogues instrumental called Shan Bradley. And it's now on the Spotify on the extended version of If I Should Fall From Grace With God. So have a listen to that. It's a lovely instrumental. And it, it probably, I think it was a B-side origin, originally, possibly on the B-side of the 12-inch of uh, Christmas in New York. What a fairy tale in New York. <laughs> okay, so, uh, uh, and there's a few others. Like there's a few, if you're interested in your punky bits, I've got uh, an interview with Culture Reardon from the Pogues as well. That was very early, not the seventh ever Potter Rooney I did. And... Um, there's a probably yeah with with Shan Bradley was quite interesting like Shan Bradley uh we met in London I was over there to do a few real dodgy gigs actually in dodgy places and uh I met up with Shan Bradley and we walked around Highgate Cemetery while I talked to her so that's on the podcast and we go to Malcolm McLaren's grave while we're chatting uh, if you don't know who Malcolm McLaren was, he managed the Sex Pistols and he co-owned a shop with Vivian Westwood on King's Road called Sex. And that was where the punk movement began, really, and that's where they met up. That's quite, yeah, and how they, how they auditioned for bands back then. Johnny Rotten auditioned for the Sex Pistols in that shop, Sex. By singing along to something on the uh, jukebox they had in there. And Sean Bradley uh, auditioned Shane McGowan for her band, the Nipple Erectors. And he just, he uh, just did it in her flat. Not, not to a band around. And he just jumped around and rolled around and screamed. That was his audition for the uh, Nipple Erectors. That went on to become the Nips. Shane McGowan obviously had a history of name, being in bands with names that have to be shortened, as in Pogue Mahone having to be shortened to the Pogues. Pogue Mahone, meaning kiss my ass. Well, uh, so uh, let's get on with this. Um, but before we go to this interview, as you know, I'm doing a sketch show. You don't know, but um, I am. It's called DIC TV Radio and it's on spotify and anywhere you'll get a good podcast and this is an example of one of the sketches well good afternoon you join me on this hot afternoon on ted cruz goes wild I'm going to be taking a look at all wildlife on Mexican-Texas border. So follow me, and we'll see what we can see. Now, we need to be quiet right here, because we got, just over there, you can see five, maybe six white-tailed deer. Now, after crossing the Rio Grande, they are grazing on the lush green vegetation of Texas. They could be from Honduras, Mexico, Ecuador, we don't know. And who knows what kind of diseases they carry. Speaking of disease, who's that hanging in the cave over there? Now look at this. 
It's a wild Mexican long-nosed bat sleeping off a long night of feeding on our insects. No papers, no ID, no license. Forget it. I guarantee Kamala Harris or Joe Biden, they ain't worried about these bats coming in and spreading God knows what while they suck up our resources. Let's get out of here now before it wakes up and things get dangerous. Ah. <sighs> There is an abundance of wildlife here on the banks of the Rio Grande. And this is a direct consequence of the Biden administration's policy to stop building the wall. And a possum cannot climb a wall. A snake cannot climb a wall. An armadillo can't climb a wall. Like President Trump said, we don't want their animals. We've got our own. We're the first camera crew to get a look at all the wildlife because they will not let the media in here. It's been an emotional journey seeing these critters get a belly full of our ticks and crickets and grubs on a free ride. They just come and they feed and they leave without a goodbye. Or, or, or they stay. It's unbelievable. And quite frankly, all this mixing and mingling has got me downright terrified. This has been Ted Cruz Goes Wild. I've been Ted Cruz. Those five episodes and uh, we were about to do, write and record the sixth one. And that'll be the end of that series for the moment anyway. And uh, yeah, we're uh, on the Headstuff Podcast Network here and there's lots of brilliant podcasts. And if you want to support podcasts, you can uh, donate five euro a month. And for that, you can get um, special Things that can only be got if you pay uh, from two of the podcasts that you pick. Um, my speciality at the moment is I've got a, a one hour long video of a live gig in the Helix from last year. I'm professionally shot five cameras and edited and it's all there for your perusal. If you would like to give me five euro a month and then I'll send in other stuff as well as we go along. Certainly this year I'll be shooting a lot more stuff on video, which I'll put up there. Yes, indeedy. In the meantime, here's Michelle Brown. Michelle, thanks very much for uh, coming on the podcast, and uh, I'm really interested in what you're doing with mediation. But let's just go back a bit and uh, what are, what jobs have you done well in your career before this? I suppose career started really um, when I took over my parents' hotel many years ago and ran that for about ten years. So that was a huge learning experience, I suppose, working in the hotel and and, and dealing with the public and and everything else that came with the, the the running of a boutique hotel in Ireland in the, um, gosh, nearly 20 years ago. I'm giving it all away now. Um, from then, I had a number of other little business enterprises that I 
started. I had a hair salon, beautations, um, leasing, letting company at, at one point, um, primarily, I suppose, for the last 10 years of my career prior to mediation, I ran a business with my ex-husband, my second ex-husband and I developed a laundrette dry cleaning business into um, a number of outlets. We, we we ended up with eight shops and um, an awful lot of accounts for our business. So that was a little enterprise that we run our, ran ourselves and did that for perhaps a little less than 10 years. So with the break up of that relationship, I kind of took stock again. I decided to go back to college and um, I went back to Maynooth and qualified, surprised everybody around me being able to go back to college at that age and got a, 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 my qualifications as a mediator. So here I am. All right. So it was it the fact that you've been through two divorces and the stress of that that, that led you towards uh, mediation? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, when I discovered mediation, I thought it was kind of, why is this being kept under the radar? Why is this not something that somebody has told me about before? Bearing in mind that my first time in the family law courts in Ireland was in 2008. Mm. Mediation has been around for a long time, but I didn't hear a word about it back then. And it was the second time round that I heard about it, but it wasn't something that I went through as I, I spoke to mediators. Not every case of family breakup or marital breakdown is suitable for mediation in that it's very much a voluntary process and both parties need to be willing to partake. You cannot force. It's not something that can be forced upon anybody, but there isn't enough of an awareness. There isn't enough information out there for people to make that decision. Well, that was my experience. And I've since found that that is the experience for many, that they're they're picking up the phone after a marriage breakdown for whatever particular set of circumstances has gone on at that time that is, they have felt that, okay, I need to speak to a, a solicitor. You know, this is going on. That's going on. I need to speak to a solicitor. It's not... I believe now, nor was definitely not then commonplace for anyone to say, well, I'll speak to a mediator. You know, the, the information isn't out there. That's what I found and I'm still finding. In saying that, there is a huge support within the family law system for mediation. Um, and, and, and that's, that's obvious. But if you're already in the family <laughs> law system, you've kind of put the cart before the horse. For me, it's to make people aware of what mediation is, who it's available for, why you should, and then make the decision. If you've picked up the phone to a solicitor, you're already in the system. And yes, mediation can be carried out and you can go to a mediation at any point prior to a judge ruling. So if you started the journey, you know someone and, you know, they've gone to a solicitor they've started letters back and forth it can be paused and a mediator can be contacted and family mediation can commence so yes it was my experience yes it was the journey that I went on that uh, you know 
first of all, uh, no one ever, <laughs> I think, plans, no one decides to get married, to break up. It was in both occasions a horrendous experience. I don't, I don't know anybody who says, yeah, we're going to commit. We're going to have these children. We're going to walk down the aisle. We're going to invite our friends and have a party. And then we're going to break up. So neither time was that, you know, ever. So that's the commonality with marriage breakdown, that it's hard. It's horrible. It's sad. And more than that, it's as though you're grieving. Mm. Marriage breakup is the future plans that you have together. It's. It, it's more than just breaking up when you're going out with somebody you have committed, be it marriage or or just a commitment to each other that you've decided to live together and have these children together and be together. When those relationships break up, it's as though there's a death. It's the death of the future. It's the plans. It's It's horrific most of the time. And even if it isn't that horrific in that you have decided we've been in a miserable relationship. I've been with him 25 years. I'm happy to break up. It's still difficult one way or the other. It's a hard, hard process. So back to why my journey through the family law courts was tough, but it wasn't that unlike any of the rest of the thousands of people annually who are on lists to be separated, divorced, who are on court lists throughout the country for parenting um, decisions to be made around the, the, the welfare of their children or, or, or who they stay with or maintenance agreements or anything in relation to the family. So those lists are long and they're in courts up and down the country. There's the district courts are throughout the country and they don't have a specific family law court and um, they have a day, usually once a month. There's courts in Dublin and Joyce House. They have six courts in there and, and they see people much more frequently. But the system and how it works is tough. And you're already dealing with the breakup of a relationship. So you're already a vulnerable person, whether or not you feel it at that particular time. And I can genuinely empathize with anybody that I know who's dealing with a marital breakup that comes to mediation because I have been there. Um, so the system is, is, is not fit for purpose. And the alternative is mediation. So it's a no brainer. <laughs> They're not just my words, by the way. I was at a, a meeting of, of um, judges for mediation. It was a webinar actually last week. And it was um, very highly esteemed people in the world of, of, of law. There was a retired judge, uh, Michael Pert, and there was a barrister of law, Turlock O'Donnell, who are now mediating. And they were singing my words out loud. They were mediation. It is, as Michael Pert said, a no brainer. Why would people who are dealing with such trauma put themselves in that space whereby and the way it works, Joe, is each party has gone to a solicitor. At this point, if they're going into court, they generally have a barrister and a solicitor. And they're each side of the court. They're generally up in court on whatever day it is. They have to go through the lists. They're, they're standing in this space 
feeling physically ill, in ready for battle with their solicitors and their barristers. And, and it's, it's, it's so difficult and it's making an already difficult process even more difficult. And, you know, there is no room for empathy. There is no room for compassion. There is no room for consideration, you know, of their children at that particular time. They're just trying to get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tough, tough space. Yeah, it's really, I haven't been through that, but I've been to a, a mediator. And so tell me what happens when a couple decides we're definitely going to split and they have children and they contact a mediator. What happens then? Okay, so the process is with the mediator is that we speak to each party individually, first of all. Both parties must be willing to mediate. As I said, it's a voluntary process. So I get them in individually. Now, you know, with the pandemic, it has been difficult. A lot of things have been reverted to Zoom, but we're, we're back in person mediating. So it's brilliant. Um, so we speak to each party individually. We make sure that they understand the process of mediation. Um, we then, when they're ready, get both parties into the room together. At this point, I know what's important for each individual party. Now, to back up slightly, both parties must sign an agreement to mediate, which covers confidentiality. Mediation is private. Anything that has said in the mediation space is private between the three parties that signed the agreement, which is your mediator and both parties. So I have spoken to both parties individually. With mediation, there is a process and we generally have with uh, mediation, by the way, Joe, I should say to mediation is available for many different areas, workplace, commercial, um, family, family disputes around wills and so on. But I specifically, and I'm shouting the loudest for family mediation because of my own personal experience. And I do think people who are going through marital breaks up are that bit more vulnerable than others. So this is specific to family mediation. Okay. So we get both parties in. There's an awful lot of commonalities about the issues around such as where are we going to live? What are we going to do with the house? Who's going to take the children for how long? And, you know, maintenance issues and issues around money and finances and mortgages. And they're the commonality of, of, of what's separating people. Um, need as topics to be addressed but primarily before then there's an awful lot of hurt in the room there's an awful lot of need for it to be heard and it might sound very very basic but two people speaking together often can't hear or don't listen to each other right so my job as a mediator is to reframe what one party wants to say to the other party in a way that they can be heard. So you might want to tell that person what you feel, but they just may not be listening. The language of a person, it, 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 it as I say, it's so basic, but when it is reframed by your mediator, and that's our job. And when each person eventually feels like they have been heard, it is a step forward to resolving those issues and coming to terms with what they cannot change and helps the dialogue 
to a resolution around these particular topics, which these particular people want to get addressed. So the listening to each other is, with the help of a mediator, is a hugely important part of the process. And um, do you need to have a solicitor as well as... Yeah, you you don't need to have a solicitor as well. Mm-hmm. If you attend a mediator, a mediator will help you come to an agreement around all of the topics that are important. And a mediator will advise you to get legal advice on whatever agreement you have come up with. Now, a mediator is not a legal advisor. A mediator is not a counsellor. A mediator is not a pensions expert nor tax expert. And if there are issues around pensions um, and so on, you you will be advised to go to a financial expert. If there are issues that are not within the mediator's remit, you'll be advised of that. But what a mediator wants to do is get you to the point whereby, depending on what your particular desires are, so say you want a judicial separation, that the mediator can get you to a point whereby we have agreed terms for that judicial separation. The mediator is not a solicitor and is not um, pretending to be able to do the legal aspect of that. However, the Mediation Act of 2017 recognises mediated agreements. The law recognises mediators and that is in the act of 2017 so but that with to answer your question the purpose of the mediator and the desire of the mediator is to get you paired to an agreement if you then decide to take legal advice on that agreement it then can be ratified as a legal document okay plenty of lay litigants go into court without solicitors and have their paperwork in order. And the judge grants divorces and separations. That's a fact. People do that. Not for many, but people can do that without a mediator. People can do that without a solicitor. My advice is take legal advice on the agreement we've drawn up. Um, and depending on what they want to do at that point. Um, but the point is get them to the point of an agreement. Because there is where the problems lie, as I see it, and the system, as I see it, of the traditional family law not being fit for purpose, as in the battlefield that is the the the, the court when you go in with your barrister and your solicitor. It's arming you up to have a rag, you know. And at the end of the day, the barristers and solicitors come out of the court you know, they might have a, not in the pandemic, but um, a do to go to that weekend. They are friends. They will continue, even though they have had a big row on your behalf in front of the judge for whatever it is, are the difficulties within this breakup. But you're supposed to go off and rear children and have ties with this person for the rest of your life, mm. whereby you've just been in battle. It's so difficult. It's difficult to explain how difficult. I know, you know, and 
it's not something that happens quickly either. The legal system is slow. Um, the advice would be from a solicitor, you know, six months to two years. I know plenty of people whose battles have gone on for years, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. It, it really is. And it's it's all too common. And, you know, and once you start, you're in a position whereby you're you're so afraid because it's it's a, an area that you're unfamiliar with. It's it's you know, most ordinary people aren't familiar with being in front of a judge. You know, I mean, you feel like you're in trouble and you're not. You're just breaking up. So. And do you feel that going through the court system uh, increases in the antagonistic atmosphere between a couple that are breaking up rather than absolutely it absolutely does when you go to a family law solicitor generally speaking and say you know my marriage is broken down they want your story so that they can find something to use against your ex-spouse it's it very very quickly becomes antagonistic is 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 too soft of a word if it very very quickly becomes a battle Mm. um and very quickly you see that the other solicitors have for example got xyz barrister there's no buddy saying oh well give me the really nice barrister but he's a rottweiler get me a bigger rottweiler you're you're geared up for a battle and you know realistically underneath it all you're dealing with breakdown and the emotional breakdown um within a a relationship which very often has children and you know and uh, the people that come to mediation 99 percent of the time the ones that have children the commonality is they want the best for their children they want to ensure their children are okay and unaffected it it doesn't happen and when you're battling in the traditional family law setting it's it's you, you might want to protect your children but you know it's near on impossible when you're battling with your spouse that you know, oh no 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 I'm, my fight is with her not the children or my fight is with him not the children mm. but who do you think has been affected of course they know children feel it young children aren't able to express it but they certainly feel it mm-hmm. um you know and the amount of people that come into mediation as well and say oh the children are fine children children are so resilient mm. um you know i might have been guilty of saying that many many years ago children are resilient i think that's something that i don't know I must have heard from a generation above me but i don't believe that i believe very firmly that children are affected and it is our responsibility that when we know better, we do better. Mm. I think Maya Angelou said that. Oh, yeah. Fan. Yeah. But look, it, it it does affect children. It most, and, and it's not nice. It's difficult to see your children affected by it. And it's difficult dealing with parents who, you know, are hurt by that. Nobody wants to. But it's the system and it's not individuals. It's 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 not fit for purpose. Mediation is the better option, and I'm categorical about that. However, 
it's voluntary. So people need to be informed, made, make informed decisions. People don't realize when they contact their solicitor what lies ahead of them. And then they're in on the road and they feel they can't come back from it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and with mediation, how long does that process take or is it just organic as to what's happening? No, there's there's a process in place that we use and the average would be six sessions, six to seven, okay? Some may take some more, some may take a few less. Mm-hmm. So that's the average. And depending upon how the couple are getting through the mediation process, because there's an awful lot of emotion in the room. There's very often big emotions to deal with. So that you say, do you know what? We leave it at that for today. So, you know, very often you could do an hour and a half and say, look, yeah. very often if you're getting somewhere, you could do a little bit longer session. Yeah. So, and sometimes you space them out every couple of weeks to get there because it can be emotive and upsetting and you might need a breather between sessions as well. So we wouldn't back them up too much on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is there ever a point where you, you, you have to say, or a couple of, is there too much emotion there that you've got to kind of. Absolutely. Like your mediator is, is on neither side, as I say, I'm on, either side but I want the best outcome for both parties so it has to be a respectful space but people are naturally upset so there's upset in the room that's fine upset is allowed in the room it's understandable but it's just to manage the process that there is it's constructive not destructive you know but it would be there it would be very very natural to see people upset and you know that's that's all part of the process Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, we're going in the right direction when when that is coming out. And, you know, it, it's an important part of it. It allows people get it out. You know, as I say, the absolute mess of a press that you open, you know, that press that has junk all thrown into it from top to bottom. How are you going to sort that so that you know what's in there so that you have to take it all out, take it all out, open the press, throw it all out. So it has to come out. And if it doesn't, and if you're pretending, it's fine. You know, it's going to come out at some point. Mm. So in order to sort it so that we know what we've got, let it out. So there's no problem. I mean, like, there's so many things to sort out. I mean, the breakup relationship is bad enough, but then the actual selling of a home, because it is a home, and you think of it as where you're fat. All those memories are there as well. And the future memories, you know, as in... The vision you had for yourself growing old with that person. Yes. That's what I mean when I say the grief. You know, you always see one person that comes in, one person is holding back and one person is is is, is more open and more talky. Um, and people will express that, that that's what they saw, you know, in their future. And um, it's really, that's a really hard part to deal with. And you must have had an added difficulty in that you were in business with your husband. That must have been. Yes, husband number two and I were in business, which made it, you know, I've seen this from every possible scenario of breakup having been there. So, yeah, the business part of it, the children, 
the home. Um, yeah. Uh, so that that was difficult. And, you know, you, you feel, oh, gosh, I need really good solicitor. I need to protect myself, which is what people feel who are in these positions. And I would say, get round a table with a mediator, good family mediator who has experience. And, you know, if you're if yourself and your spouse are willing, anything can be sorted. Mm. The, you know, the experience I've had, um, you know, as I say, it's the system. It's not about individuals. But at one point I had um, a senior counsel and well, at, the, at that time she was about to be made senior counsel. I didn't go in looking for a senior counsel. But when I say counsel, I mean barrister, Joe. So if you can visualize this, so I'm the vulnerable person who has gone through a marriage breakup, who is broken down and in an awful state. And my solicitor saying, well, we're dealing with, you know, family, home, A, B, C and D. And the barrister at law, who's a highly experienced individual, said, well, really, it depends on how the judge is feeling, which judge you get, which judge you get. It depends upon what happens on the day, how that judge felt that morning, what he had or she had for their breakfast. Really, Michelle, family law is like vegetable soup. You never know what you're going to get. And I thought, something amiss here. How, you know, how is this what you're paying the big bucks for? Somebody else on the day will make a decision. If you have gone through the process and you are in front of the judge, you no longer have any power as to the decision, the outcome, be it on your house, your business, your children, your maintenance application. That judge on that day will make that decision. So You're when dead. the big books are telling you it's like vegetable soup, you kind of go, there has to be a better way. And as I say, it's not about an individual person telling you it's a system and that's the way it's set up. But within mediation, it's determined by the parties. So it might be a difficult process to get through, but at least... You, the power is with yourselves to decide. A good mediator will reality test with you what you think. I'm keeping the house. I'm da, da, da. A good mediator will reality test each possible scenario. Mm. And, you know, different scenarios are put up on the board. We can do it this way. We can split that way. We can split the other way. So you can have three or four different scenarios for this each particular couple. And then you can reality test Mm -hmm. and then you move on, which for me is the way forward, not the other one. Yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't been, I've been through the mediation process myself and it isn't easy either because I found it difficult to be in the room, but uh, it is gone over uh, bit by bit. You, you put out, could this work, you know, and then, you go through it. Maybe that doesn't work. Let's try this. Yeah, it, it is good. Um, it is good. It is hard. Look, it is hard, Joe. It's it, there's there's nothing easy about it. But hmm. me having described the alternative, which is court, which is out of your control, hmm. believe me, isn't a road you want to go down. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's a lot. Of, I, I believe uh, relationship problems because of the lockdown. I mean, the people who are, who are um, 
It's like when people come back from a two week holiday and they realize they don't uh, actually like each other. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly <laughs> happened to you, Joe, did it? <laughs> no, but I, I remember, I don't know, who told me, I think it might have been the mediator said uh, they get a lot of couples coming in after a holiday because you don't have the distraction of work or going on the laptop all the time and ignoring each other, <laughs> um, which, uh, Obviously, that has been uh, the problem with lockdown is that people are cooped up together. So so if they yes. wanted to uh, get mediation done, how would they find one? The Mediators Institute of Ireland is where they would find one. Now, um, there's the Free Legal Aid Board. Mediators are available. And um, I know there's a long waiting list um, for that service, which is free. Uh, but there's a long waiting list. I suppose it's like a lot of other systems within um, Mm -hmm. Ireland that are free. You have to wait and means test and and so on. But the Mediators Institute of Ireland um, is where you will find a family mediator. Um, I'm set up a practice in uh, NACE beside the NACE uh, courthouse here. um, And I'm happy to be able to do in-person mediations within uh, the offices here so um delighted to be able to have the service up and running yes brilliant and now uh, when things open up you'll be able to have people in person hopefully soon oh yeah no we, we were it was always ah, an yeah. essential but just not everybody it was always an essential service mediation but not everybody was happy to come in um but we are seeing people so it's great yeah that's brilliant i I can vouch for it as well, having been through it. So uh. yeah, no, it's 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 about creating awareness. It's about people understanding. You know, I mean, when I I still am surprised, Joe, when you say to people you're you're mediating or you're doing mediation, and 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 they think it's something to do with lying down and doing yoga, and um, you know, the only thing similar is the spelling. You know, that's uh, that's it. There's nothing else. Um, but no, it's, it's, you know, so it's to create greater awareness, Joe, and, um, whatever, whoever I can get to listen to me, <laughs> yeah. um, talking about it, because as I say, the hurt is real. And you know, at a time when we are so, so aware of our own mental health and our own, the importance of being aware and taking care of our mental health. A breakup is a time that your mental health is under huge pressure, right? It's it's huge. Um, why would you go down the road of making it more difficult to manage? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as well as that, you're going to have to work with this person. You, you've got children together, so it's not like when you're young and you break up with someone and you go, "I'll never see them again." But no, that's that's not the way it's going to be. <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> no, we're too old for that. But yeah, look, it's yeah, it's 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 it it helps. Look, there is nothing to lose by going to mediation, even if it helps the two people in the room communicate better going forward. Mm. That is a win-win. You know, if it helps in any way, the two in the room to see something from the other person's perspective which they couldn't see but with the help of a mediator they can see as I say when things are 
reframed. Sounds basic, but it works. Mm-hmm. Um, that can help. So whatever can help uh, people or persons going through something as difficult for their own sake, for the sake of the children, give it a try. There is absolutely nothing to lose. And I'd vouch for, vouch for that as well. So thanks thanks a lot, Michelle. Thanks for chatting to me and reaching out to me as well. Um, yeah, no, thanks for having me. You know, it's never easy when a relationship breaks up. And I know that there is a a high amount of relationships under stress because of the uh, lockdown. And uh, you know what? Going to a mediator might even result in the relationship not, uh, and the couple not separating. Um, But certainly if you do separate, uh, it's best to be able to get on afterwards and i don't know if going through the courts would be helpful in that way okay and next week i'll be talking to a fellow who started off a a new dating app i believe um so you know it's not all about breaking up it's about starting relationships as well i'm sure with the end of the lockdown there's many people who who want to get back out there dating and uh you know Perhaps Tinder isn't all it's all, all that good, really. And there are uh, alternatives, and I'll be talking about one of those alternatives next week. So tune in to that. Tune in. That's a very old-fashioned way of saying it. Log into it forever. Whatever you do, just listen to it, will you? All right, listen. I'll see you. Good luck. Bye. <laughs> you get away with it, you bleeding gobshoot. <laughs> Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. 